You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. When you try to fill the <laughs> shoes of the almighty Brandon Jaggers, that's like putting on a pair of 15-size shoes when you only wear 10s. Brandon Jaggers. Why, why does this Brandon Jaggers name sound familiar? Is, does he work janitorial over on the front side? <laughs> and me, CC brought us. Uh, but, but what does he actually do? I mean, you know, what is he, other than, you know, being a ho- one of the hosts on your show? I'm not really sure. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Black Friday edition of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, and I'm joined by my fellow turkey, <laughs> Alan Schneider. Alan, how are you? I think, I'm great, by the way. I think you meant Track Friday, because while everybody else goes shopping, one of the best days of the year, if you're a Kentucky horse player, is that day after Thanksgiving Clark Day at Churchill Downs. I know you and I will be there, amongst others. And I think it's a great day. So uh, with that in with that in mind, plus four days off work, I'm in great spirits, brother. What's your favorite Thanksgiving tradition? Oh, well, how about this? Um, watching one of the greatest comedies ever made because it's a Thanksgiving movie, which we as there is a rarity of, is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. One of one of the greatest comedies of all time. With John Candy and Steve Martin, may uh, God rest his soul, the great John Candy. Uh, my brother and I used to watch that as kids and laugh our ass off with my dad. And to this day, my wife and I do. And I, if it's on TV, it, it's on. It's on. So that's one of them. And the other would be handicapping a, a, a good Clark card. Do you like yeah. the movie? Do you like Planes, Trains, Automobiles? You know, I don't know if I've ever seen that all the oh, way through. Jesus I don't know. Christ. I know. Oh my God! Well, this thing's over. I can, I don't know if I can work with you anymore. Uh, it all comes to an end with this. Have you seen any of it? Yeah, I've, I've, it's been a while. It's been a while. Okay, well, I'm not a big Steve Martin fan. Okay. Not a big Steve Martin fan. I think he's he's a bit overrated. I can I can see where you're going with that. I'm not going to say that I wholeheartedly disagree. Of course, I'm I'm 52, which means I I still remember the jerk and dirty rotten scoundrels. See, and I, I thought the jerk was stupid. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Naven R. Johnson. Name he yeah, hates these cans. I know. Uh, but but plain strange. I mean, again, John Candy is the driving force in that one or whatever. So I, I'll, I'll give you a little bit. I I, I do like Steve Martin, uh, but. They, they work well together in Planes, Trains, and Not as well as we do together on this podcast, but, uh, you know, if you, you need, you, my brother and I quote the movie nonstop. So that is a, I would say that's a tradition. I wish I was watching it right now. John Candy and Stripes. What about that? That's How a, about John, John Candy and Uncle Buck? How about John Candy and, I, uh, I can say for a fact I've not seen Uncle Buck. Oh, for the love of Christ. Oh my God! And people are supposed to listen to your opinions on horse racing, and you haven't seen Uncle Buck? I'm certain I haven't. I think I is there one scene where the, like the the bear busts through the door and 
That's the great outdoors, I believe. That's great outdoors. Okay, see, there you go. I don't, he was in vacation. He was in Home Alone. I mean, I'm trying to think what else he's been in over the years. I mean, just he was in Splash. He was in Stripes. Uh, you I know, Stripes is filmed in Louisville, right? That is true, yes. That is true. But Oh, boy. We, anyway, should, do, we should do movie reviews. Oh, I, I, I'm big on that. Uh, I'm pretty, my wife will tell you I'm pretty particular and stuff, but what I like, I really like. And there's lots of things that other people like that I'm like, really? You, you like that? It's like, you'll just watch anything. Like Yellowstone, the show Yellowstone, which we, my wife and I do watch every week, but every week I criticize it. It's, it's a show that I should love and I do love the scenery, but the writing's, the writing is not yeah. good. I and think the it's acting, a little- it's a little overbearing. It's oh, it's over. Yeah, it, it is. And it's, uh, I want to love it. I want to I mean, love it. This is Game of Thrones for Cowboys, right? That's what this it, it is. But Game of Thrones is much, much more well written. I mean, uh, Taylor Sheridan is completely overrated. If you've seen 1883 or I mean, I know we're going off on a tangent here, but I hear everybody going on about Yellowstone. It's like, come on now. You don't really think the writing is that good, right? You don't really think those characters are that likable, right? It yeah. should be better than it is. Let's make it. The scenery is beautiful. There's some great actors in there. The show should be better than it is. And uh, so we wasted eight or nine minutes talking about this, but this is the stuff that matters in life, right? It's important to some of us. I would, th- I would have thought John Candy movies would have been more important to you, but we're going to have to work I, on that. Like, like I said, I'm just not a fan of those guys, John Candy and. I like Bill Murray. I like Chevy Chase. Those '80s guys. Some of those '80s guys. I'm just. I'm. But you know. You know Chevy Chase is a real dickhead. You know he's great. He's had he's made some of the best movies of all time. But they say he's one of the biggest assholes in Hollywood. You know that, right? Well, people hate know, his guts. Speaking of, uh, Brandon Jaggers isn't joining us this evening. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he's got child problems again. It happens. Apparently, this this child has taken up a lot of his time. Amazing how that happens. I know I can speak from experience. That does happen. Yeah. So, what do you want to talk about? We got a few minutes before we, <clears throat> before we bring our guest on. Anything? You want to uh, track well, announcers or uh, what else is happening? What did you say? Track announcers? What What's that? Did track you announcers? Track... You want to talk about? No, I'll, I'll leave that topic alone. Uh, there, there's some really good ones out there and stuff. I'll, I'll declare neutral on that topic. Uh, you know something? Well, Churchill's ending. And they're they're ending with a bang. They got a really good card to close out the week. Like I said, we'll be there on Friday. But something you brought up last week, I thought was uh, to me. I think you and I may have brought together via text. Is why doesn't wagering? Why do not horse wagering platforms not use? Why do they not adapt use parlays? Why is that not an option? I mean, there's so many things you could do with parlays. People talking about. I hear all these terrible ideas and about uh, horse racing and blah blah blah. It's like. Why do they not have parlays on their wagering platforms? Can you explain that to me? There's so many different things that. you can do with it. I, I assume there's probably something technical about it that we don't understand. Maybe. But I think that's something worth, you know, like we all look at this different ways. I mean, like you might wake up and roll out of bed and have $20 you want to spend and just play a pick out five horses and play a show parlay. And then come home from work and see how you did. That that might be more interesting to you than than maybe to me watching the races and actually mm-hmm. you know going race to race. If you, you know that's uh, that might be interesting to somebody. And then that's uh, it should be beneficial to the racetracks because it's churn. Yeah, that's what we're all looking or that's not we we but they are looking for is churn. And you know that that twenty dollar wager if it gets all the way to the end of the show parlay that's 
17.5%, they're taking out of every wager. And that can only be good. And, you know, and like you said, you can do, uh, you don't have to do show parlays, win parlays, place parlays. Parties, Exactus, I mean, whatever, whatever floats your boat. I just think about it because it's so, you know, in, in sports betting, which I don't do, but I know parlays are very popular in sports betting, right? And people bet three games. And what do you get if you get three games? What is that? I don't know. Maybe six to one, I guess, or three right. to one, whatever. But I mean, you could have it. Somebody takes $2, but it's a $2 exacta. Hits it for thirty bucks, right? And they're like, okay, they choose the parlay option, and then that thirty dollars goes on another exact, and they say they hit that one for forty dollars, and all of a sudden their two dollar wager became, uh, what is that, thirty, fifteen times? That's six hundred dollars. So, I mean, people would, I think people would gravitate to that. You could do all kinds of things. You could bet win place parlays, and then that money gets bet to parlay to win place, and maybe do it on a third option, a third. You pick pick the numbers that you want to do, and uh. I mean, you could even have a, a win parlay where you have the ability to bet 25% of your winnings back or 50% or 75% of people are just too scared to let it ride or whatever. It just seems like there's like like such an such an avenue out there. Uh, it would be easy for people who, who don't have the time to watch the races. I mean, we could go on and on and on. I just, I just, and maybe this has been brought up before. I'm sure this isn't anything groundbreaking you and I came up with or whatever, but it seems like there's so many things you could do with that that I would think be so interested where people could turn a small amount of money or even people like us, you know, you know, I mean, of course you can just take whatever you win and bet it back, but a lot of people don't think that way. So. Well, what if you're at work, you know, that, exactly. like, you know, I, through the week, if you're at work or if you're, you know, you're doing Thanksgiving or whatever, and you just want to play some bets and, and, and when you get home, check out your computer and see what happened. Yeah. I guess. And you can't bet that. You know, that's what I, I mean, I have a day job, right? I can't do that. I don't want to do that. But if I had, you know, if I had to do a, some parlay at, because I, I'm pretty good at, you know, picking out some horses or whatever, and I could pick two or three or whatever and, and pick my, the options that I wanted to parlay. I mean, you could turn a small amount of money or a large amount of money into a really large amount of money. I just wonder about that. I mean, I'm sure it's been brought up. I'm sure you've thought about it in the past. I know. Well, you, even uh, you don't have to do the same track. You could pick 10 horses at 10 different racetracks and parlay it that way or something. You know, I, I don't know. I can't imagine the technology would be that tough for that. There's got to be a reason. Well, I mean, good news is, that, you know, the, speaking of uh, updated technology, now they're doing, uh, they can do 40 entries in this uh, Derby future pool. Like, they which, can do that. They can do what I just said. But anyway, The only problem is I don't think they can find 40 good two-year-olds to, to fill this wager up. It's just, too, you know, the way the game's played anymore, there's not, you know, a lot of the important horses for next year haven't even probably started yet. Yeah, so. I know they do. They're doing forty. I, I'm not a big future wager guy. I don't really believe in that. Uh, I'm not saying if, if anybody else wants to do it, that's fine. I just I don't really get picking a horse out in September, and so many things can happen or whatever. But whatever floats people's boat, I'm not gonna well, I'm not gonna disparage the, anybody. The idea but, is to get a price on your horse. You know, you pick a horse out now that's only run one time. You should get ninety to one, hundred to one, hundred fifty to one on a horse like that. That's that's. Your right. goal, you don't want Forte at seven to one in October. That's ridiculous. And but, but we also all that. we also yeah, but we also all know that the odds of getting that horse into the gate after six months because he doesn't pan out from two to three, he gets injured, he doesn't handle distance. So many other horses come along. I don't get the appeal with it. Uh, but I mean, it would be nice to know what the fraction. If someone would put out a thing of what percentage of horses that started and 
future pool one in the fall, actually what percentage has actually made it to the gate? And I'm sure no one's going to let you know that. But I mean, what is I mean, it's probably one or two at the best, probably. Yeah, this so year I mean, might be a little different with with the extra horses. But we hear a lot of people talk about what, what's bad wagers and stuff, criticizing bad wagers. Well, if only ten percent of the horses in that pool are fifty are getting to the gate to begin with, then is that a good wager? But again, I that's just my own personal thing. That's if anybody wants to play it, I'm, I hope they win it and get one hundred and forty to one. I'm just I've just always wondered about that. Now I will say that one one wager I've had luck with. And I, I'll, I will do it again this weekend. I've purchased the last two years. I've purchased one hundred dollar win tickets on the all other sires wager in the in the sire. That sounds like a good idea. Sire wager. So you're almost guaranteed to get seven or eight horses in the dirt. Now that's okay. What, what odds were you getting on that? Nine. The first year I got nine to two. This year we got seven to two. Oh. But it, well, I, I now I do believe that sounds like a good wager to me. I never I never thought about it. Yeah, so this year or last year it was Medina Spirit who was by Protonico, who was not on any anybody's radar as a sire. And then this year's winner was Rich Strike, who is by Keen Ice, another one that's not on anybody's radar. And you'll you'll get you'll get these wacky sires in the yeah. Derby. Maybe now that they've expanded it to forty, that makes it tougher. Seven, instead of seven or eight, you might get four or five. But you might get one of the favorites. And so, I guess you have the theory to have some state-bred horse get really hot, right? And maybe a, a, a lesser-known sire from a Louisiana yeah. or New York, perhaps. Or, or it could be a European sire or, or you know, it, it's something like that. And then so Brandon Jaggers, I hear he's been a pretty popular sire of late. He's a, well, a very, very hot sire. Yeah. Very hot sire. <laughs> last, thing, uh, last thing before we get to the guest. Uh, I, we talked about parlays and show wagers and all that. Read a long time ago. Why why wouldn't a racetrack consider cutting their takeout? Like, all right, let's say you go to Walmart and you're shopping and the items that nobody wants, what does the store do with them? Put them on clearance. They put them on clearance. All right. So the show wager is hmm. probably the least popular wager. Would you agree with that? Uh, well, yes, for the – Except maybe the super high five is probably the least. Super high five, I could, yeah. Well, I guess show wager probably is, but then you have the whales that bet the show, and then you have the everyday. Uh, yeah, but you you look fools. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're you look right. fools. The show wager is probably the least popular, right? In my opinion, why wouldn't you cut? Why wouldn't you cut your takeout to get more show wagering? Have and a sale. Have a sale. And you cut it to twelve percent. Says whatever. I think it's seventeen here in Kentucky. Maybe and then cut it to twelve or cut it to ten. That's a good point because then again you're you're definitely creating more churn because more people are going to win, and then and then they're going to maybe put it back on that, some of the more expensive wagers, right? Well, let's be honest. I mean, you're going to churn that weight. I mean, if it, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to place a hundred dollars to show on a horse and get my twenty dollars and then just keep it and put it in my pocket and never come back to the racetrack again. That's that's right. you know. They they own my soul, so I'm probably going to turn that into the next race and lose it. But why not? It looks like to me the idea would be to put more money into the customer's pocket so they can actually, you know, I like the idea. Pools, and then you double like it. So if you're if you're takeouts twelve percent on a show wager, you bet one, you win. You bet one race and you win, and you turn it back into the second race. Now you've got twelve percent twice 
on yes. the same amount of money. So you and then I would argue that at that show that person if you're betting in Kentucky, your show payout's going to be larger anyway because of penny breakage, which the penny breakage really makes a difference in the show pool, right? In the in the in the heavy favor. Yeah. In the heavy favorites, I, I like the idea. I, now you actually have me thinking: Why don't you even tier win, place, and show? Like you've had the highest takeout for win and next, right. next for place. It just thought I don't know the I don't pretend to know the math behind all this, uh, but I, I see your point, and it does make sense to me. Now there'd be somebody who would come behind us and tell us why we're fucking idiots, but who cares, right? But I like the idea. Well, I like to live in my own little bubble. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Before we get, I can actually say that actually I've always wondered about with people go on about one real quick before you get into something. I always, when people get all hot and bothered about how well a track does with their handle, do you, you know what I mean? It's like, I always wonder, like, why do you care how much handle a track does? Or, or, or do you, are you getting any of that money? It's like, hey, this is such and such track had, had their greatest handle today. It's like, so? <laughs> it's like, why do you care? Well, you know. Those numbers mean less and less now with the computer guys. Yeah, that's that's where the majority of the handles coming from. It seems now. So yeah, the, yeah. When they when they tweet stuff like that out, it's, it's almost like, it's like, it's, unless you're a stockholder. I mean, and it's you know maybe you have some friends. There. I mean, we have friends that work at Churchill. I hope they do extraordinarily well. But I hey, Prairie Mills had a record handle day. That's fantastic. Are they giving? Are you getting a cut of that? Are you getting a cut of that Derby Day handle? I mean, I always wonder. It's like. Dudes, like, who cares? <laughs> well, it's, it's it, if you're if you're in the game, I suppose if you're a uh, you know owner or a trainer, or whatever, it's, it's interesting to know where well, what sure. prints are. If you know if if, if a handle's going up, that means that should be positive. Handles yeah, down, that's a negative. But like I said, it's you know anymore that doesn't matter. Yeah. With the uh, CRW teams, we'll uh, we'll broach the subject at another time. But now. Let's get to our special guest. Okay, so it's time to introduce our special guest, and it's really a Thanksgiving tradition in these parts to have this gentleman on. I think he's been on us, on with us for two of these Clark Handicap shows, or Black Friday shows, and that's uh, speaking of none other than Will Nesker, and Will's a friend of the program, and uh, Will, how are you doing? Doing well, thank you. This is actually the third in a row. Oh. That's, I was trying to think if we did this last year. And I, I'm, we did. Yeah. So I, I remember uh, you, the first time we did this, you gave out two winners in that pick five sequence that paid fairly well. And I ignored one of them. And it cost Atlanta. Me. Atlanta. Atlanta. That's the, I used. That's the one I used strictly because you mentioned the horse. And it was Bodie. One, I'm sorry. Yeah. It was Bodie yeah, Express. I had Bodie Express in my, yeah. in my wager, but I didn't have. Of all people, I didn't have the Brad Cox Philly. I think it was Bill and L. Bodie Express is who killed my tickets that year. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I don't know. That was but a, that was a bad day. But what uh, was a good day, right, CC, for this man? Yes. About two or three weeks ago on Breeders' Cup Day, we need to we need to address <laughs> that Michelangelo, that Sistine Chapel. Go ahead. You talking to me or Will? Yeah, you. You need to bring this one in. You need to. Well, okay. Well, yeah. Mr. Nesker hit the Breeders' Cup pick six, and I believe the pick five to the tune of nearly fifty thousand dollars. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, the total payoff was fifty-two thousand one hundred one dollars and sixty-four cents, to be precise. Yeah. So, we'll, real quickly, we'll walk through this, but. 
Will Will plays these wagers the way you're supposed to play them. Like you, if you have an opinion and you can narrow that opinion, you you need to pound the opinion. And I think that's kind of what what you do, right? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, pressure opinions. Don't play defensive chalk. Aim small, hit big. Right. So uh, the the race that would have tripped me up in that sequence was the I think the first race it was the Breeders' Cup Sprint, and I was on. And I know Alan didn't like Jackie's Warrior, but I I thought he was. Uh, I, I had to use him and uh, Kamari, and those were the two that I, I could not see past those two. And that's where you. How many did you use in that race? That was the uh, the sprint was the second race in the sequence, and I yes, singled Elite race. Power. Okay, the first thing, the first leg was the was it the Philly yeah. Mare Sprint or the Mile? That was the mile. The mile. Yeah. Okay. So you hit. That was Rebels Romance. I'm, no. Yeah. No, it's a, no, Modern was, Games, right? No, the no Modern Games was after the sprint. I'm sorry. Who was the? That's Billy uh, Mary Turf. That was a Billy Mary Turf. That's right. That was yeah. Tuesday. Right, and I, that was a spread race for me. How many did you use in that spot? I used um, five. Five. That's right. Yes, five. That's right. Okay, you used five, and you singled Elite Power. Correct. And then you singled Modern Games. Correct. You singled Malathot. Correct. And then you used three in the turf. And then I used three in the turf. It was Modern Games. Um, Rebels Romance. Rebels, Rebels Romance. Rebels Romance, and uh, the other Appleby Runner. Uh, yeah. I nature. can't remember the name. I can't remember the name now. And, and then, then, of course, you single flight line. Correct. So that's five by one, by one, by one, by three, by one. Fifteen combinations, four singles. And how many, right. how many times did you play it? Uh, I played that particular ticket uh, for $10. So $150 invested in the pick six. Correct. And pick six return, what, three grand, roughly? Uh, that, yeah, around 32. Well, that ticket, yeah, 30... That awesome. ticket returned thirty two thousand over thirty two thousand. So and then, that, that includes the consolation, uh, the five out of sixes right. as well, I believe. So yeah, right. And then after Tuesday won the Philly Mare Turf, you came back and played the, the pick five. That's right. Well, it just and, and, and just to let you know, just to back up and give some context too, I played all of these before I left the house in the morning, um, <laughs> and went to you know I went I was there in attendance. I didn't and I didn't make a single bet while there. Um, I actually tried to make one bet, and it was on my, my on my phone while the horses were uh, walking up to the starting gate in the dirt mile. And um, you know, you know how I'm sure you guys do this every now and then. You'll see a horse on the track, and they'll just completely stand out to you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even though Cody's wish was a uh, uh, you know was a either favorite or second choice, uh, he just he, all of a sudden, boom, he hit me, and he looked like a million bucks. And I, so I tried to play him. Keyed over um, Cyberknife and uh, one other horse. I was going to do a fifty dollars exacta and got shut out. And then after that, I just didn't even make any other bets. Um, so I, I bet all these bets, uh, the pick five and the pick six, prior to leaving my house in the morning and going to the track. Okay. Twelve altogether. Twelve bets altogether. Yeah. And that pick five. What did the pick five pay? Do you remember? Uh, it paid um, for a dollar. Uh, I only bet. I bet. The lowest combination I bet, or for fifty, no, for a dollar. The lowest denomination I bet the pick five at was for a dollar, 
and it came back at I believe seven seven fifty seven sixty in that in that range for the pick five, yeah. And how many times did you have the pick five? Uh, I had it about twenty twenty one twenty two times. And what was the? It was the same sequence. I mean, the same. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was same combinations. It, yes, or a variation, or you know, some kind of permutation thereon. I bet it, you know, uh, I bet a fifty cent pick five. Oh wait, I'm sorry. The the fifty cent pick five came back three hundred and fifty dollars and ninety three cents. I had it for fifty cents, kind of on a spread ticket. I had a, a four dollar one, a three dollar one, a five dollar one, a two dollar one, um, a ten dollar one, um, and then another dollar one and another fifty cent one. <laughs> What's impressive, if I could jump in here real quick, is you didn't venture away from your from your initial blueprint, right? You didn't go crazy no. out of the, out of the, you know go off the beaten path and just start hedging and spreading everywhere. You stayed with that same game plan, which is important. Which I think a lot of people want to get too crazy and start covering every combination. But you you had a path that you went down and you stayed that path instead of trying to. So you can t- actually did go for the throat, right? I did. I mean, the total amount wagered was, and I'm looking at my Twin Spires account right now, was $936 for the 12 bets. That was the total amount. So you profit about 53 to 1 on all that, and that was a hell of yeah. a ticket. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I was impressed. And I see what you did. See, as we were talking about this, because Will is a friend of ours, and we were discussing this, it, it wasn't a crazy ticket. It sounds like it's hard to hit four singles, but you like modern games. Obviously, you like flight line. You didn't go spread crazy in the turf. When, to me, you shouldn't have spread crazy in the turf. You just take those Europeans. And mm-hmm. then I think the really bold, the two bold plays, well, actually, modern games is a bold play, really, when you think about it, because it's it's a, a wide-open race in a mile. And you have to truly believe it. he's the far, much the best in there, and he was. But Malathat, taking Malathat over Nest, over Clarier, and then, of course, taking uh, – which, again – taking elite power that was a bold one but i see what you did and it was really well played but i gotta ask when malathad hit the wire and it did not look like she was going to get there i mean did you think in those last hundred yards that your ticket went up in smoke or just yeah you just knew malathad was going to find that stride like she does at keeneland no i didn't know i i thought you know like you said 100 yards to go she looked like it, it looks like yeah it looked like it was done um and then but when they did hit the wire, I was pretty confident that she got her nose down. Um, just from where I was sitting and the the angle that I had, I was pretty confident. But you know, still still sweating the the photo a little bit, yeah. So you know, and it, it goes back to the, people go on and about photos and stuff, but it's 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 the glaring example that in this game, one man's trash is another man's treasure, and, and vice versa, right? I know that a lot of people tear up their tickets. You weren't one of them that day, and maybe you'll get burned down the road. But if you're gonna if you're gonna hit one, that's one to hit, right? That's right. Um, and um, you know, I play this way. You guys know me. I play yes. this way quite a bit. Uh, last year, for instance, if you remember last year, it was Aloha West that that I keyed on um, to start and, the pick six to start well, it. Right, and then um, and then or the pick five, I can't remember the sequence last year, but yeah, one or the other. And uh, you know, I'd sing, I singled Aloha West last year at eleven to one in in the sprint. You guys, you guys were with me that day. Yes. You remember that? And then held on that photo. Right, and then of course it was Marsh Lorraine that that ruined <laughs> my day that you know that year. I didn't have any of that. Didn't that, that she never came up on my radar. So 
you know, so that, ha- yeah, I mean, that's, but that's how I play. Um, elite, you know, I was, I was looking for the spot, um, where I thought there was a vulnerable favorite. I thought Jack, I thought the, the, the sprint, Jackie's warrior was the vulnerable favorite that I identified. And I liked elite power, quite frankly. Um, it's a horse I've always had my, I've had my eye on since back in the spring meet at Churchill. Um, and I always play that sprint race to closers. I mean, um, it always seems like it's a closers race because it's what it's a 12, 14, uh, horse field, and I don't care, you know, how much dominant speed is in that race. Um, there's always a ton of it, and it always seems to set up for a closer. I mean, you talk about, you know, Elite Power, Aloha West, Whitmore, and we, we yes. go back on and on. Um, you know, that makes me wonder when you got to the last leg. By the way, March, we we're talking about somebody's trash is another man's treasure. March Lorraine created a lot of trash tickets last year for people. <laughs> you were not alone in that regard. Yeah. I know, I know, I know some, I've heard some stories in the gold room about what happened up there, but set the table. Do you get, you go five for five on these 15 combinations, you get to the last race and you are sitting on 50 grand, you know, to the potential horse of the century, horse of a lifetime. And I know at, at that, at that time, it, it's not a better position to be in, but even though it's flight line, even though the horse looked like the second coming of, you know, a rocket ship. What were those moments like? Were you were you sweating? Were you pacing? Even though it's flight line, I mean, it's a horse race. He's up against good horses. I mean, what was that like? Were you just hoping for the clean break or what? Yeah, I felt pretty good about about it overall. It was, you know, I mean, traditionally in that spot, you know, as a you're you're looking to try to beat the favorite when the favorite is that heavy. But I just didn't fool around with it. Yeah. Um, it was not this. This was. This was not the horse. It was maybe that's the spot you try to do it. But this is not the horse you try to do it against. Right. And, well said. Um, and so, so I just, uh, I didn't even fool around with that. Uh, I didn't, I don't know that a single ticket I played spread to anything in that last race and either the pick five or the pick six. I think I singled in every one of them, maybe, maybe one or two, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, it, I felt really good. And, you know, after the break, he felt even better. When I saw that uh, he was right there latched to the hip uh, or not far from the hip of life is good and uh, felt pretty good about it all the way around. Yeah. Well, wait a so, minute. When, yeah, when go, they flashed, go yeah. When, when they flashed mistakenly the three quarter time in 107 and change. That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> did you see that by any chance? Because I, 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 you know, I thought there's no way, there's no way these two last. Life is I good. didn't see it. I didn't see it. That, oh. and then, that probably saved you some, yeah. some strokes. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I had if I had fifty thousand on the line, and I saw one hundred seven and four for three quarters in a mile and a quarter race. I think I would have passed out. Well, and I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know that the amount. Um, I did look at the will pay for the pick six, um, so I knew that at least. But I didn't know. I, I didn't look at the pick five, and I didn't try to add everything up. I guess when Flavian Pratt turned around to look to see if anybody was coming, he was confident that me. But but those of us who saw the TV screen saw 107.4 going a mile and a quarter, mm-hmm. we're like, holy shit, this thing is, you know. But so mm-hmm. be yeah. glad you didn't see that because you might have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were all looking for Rich Strike at that point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. All right well, well, congratulations. We'll we'll move on to something else. But seriously, Will, we we wanted to congratulate you in, in person because that was a tremendous ticket. 
and it happened to a good guy and a good capper and stuff. So congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So speaking of Rich Strike, as it turns out, he'll show up on this Black Friday card in the Clark Stakes, and we'll get to him a little bit later. But what we're going to do is cover the late pick five and uh, give out some analysis and selections. And uh, and the Clark Stakes is the 11th race on that 12 race card. But uh, I should add that Will has guaranteed our listeners that he can guarantee that you too will make fifty thousand dollars by listening to this. <laughs> Correct, Will? Yes, right? under underwritten by the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. <laughs> ouch, ouch. <laughs> We're gonna need a disclaimer so before we publish this. But uh, uh, before we get to this pick five sequence, uh, we'll, we'll open the floor. Does anybody like anything in the seven races prior? Will, is there anything you liked? Um, not to, not anything to to really speak of. I, I think you know maybe in race in race one. Uh, I mean, if, if you you know, just looking for, you know, what I would call a value play. I think the three, uh, Girolamo's attack, uh, mm-hmm. would be, uh, would be playable in that spot for a little bit of a value play. Um, I think that's probably it for me in the, in the earlier races. Okay. Well, I will, I will mention that, uh, well, first off, I think it's race two or race three. The rate of pace that's up in early honors of McPeak horse, it's about five to two. I can't think it's, it's going to be tough the way the race is, it's going to shape out early on. And that horse's name is eight straight, eight straight. Yeah. The race is going to set up pretty well for the horse because there's a probably speedos inside can sit the right trip, but I'm not going to sit here to give out some favor other people can see. There is a horse I kind of like in the fifth race. Uh, I'm not sure what the price can be. I think the morning line is four to one. Probably sounds about right, but it's a it's a pretty solid thirty thousand nine hundred to two race. But there's a horse I've, I've liked for a long time who has underperformed, but finally put it all together last time. It's a conspiracy fact for Al Stahl, and I like this horse. It ends a pick five sequence or pick four sequence. So whenever you can single and feel pretty good about that, I would single this one. Whether it wins or not, it's a different story. But I've always felt this horse since his second start of his career when I thought he really dug in against better horses. And even though he got run fourth that day, it looked like the horse had some potential. Uh, kind of went over his head a little bit, had avoided claiming the Alstall gave him some time off, ran a couple sprints. I thought he was a horse to beat last time, but he was only nine to five. It wasn't worth playing. But I thought he won in commanding fashion against much weaker, much weaker than these. But I just like what I saw, the way he did it. And uh, he steps up from 15 maiden to 30 non-winners at two. I think they're doing it because they think the horse is in good form and they're trying to get one more for the meet in. So I would look at conspiracy fact maybe for, uh, but that's it. There's, there's, there's quite a few, uh, uh, possibilities in there, but I do like conspiracy fact a little bit. I'd ride or die with that one. Conspiracy fact, uh, Albert Stahl and Tyler Gaffleon, when they team up four out of nine. Yeah, Gaffleon keeps them out too. Gaff, I, I just yeah. like the way the horse did it last time. I mean, it was against much weaker, but uh, I think this horse has been wanting to get to two turns. I think the way he's conditioned the horse properly, and this is a he's doubling in price. But I, I see what they're doing here. Positive ROI on that combination, Gaffleon and Saul. That's true. That's true. Onward. Uh, I, well, I will say uh, uh, going back to your uh, pick of uh, in race three on eight straight, the three horse. In the race three, eight straight, I had that one too. Um, and so I'll just, you know, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pile on on that one, but I also had the six in there, uh, 
Prince of Roses. Yeah, yeah. I can coming see out of a key race, sixth place horse in that race, last race, that maiden special weight at Keeneland broke um, his maiden in a stakes race at Delta Downs next out. So oh, yeah. Those are the two I had in yeah. that race. So I'll just to um, validate what you've already said, Alan. Well, thank you. But I'll also add that uh, one uh, full disclosure on the card, Vicki Oliver has several horses in here, which means no matter what she does, I will guess the wrong way each time. If I pick against her, she'll win and vice versa. So I want anybody to take anything I say today with a grain <laughs> of salt. So I would also add that you should do that at all times. So, and Vicki Oliver has one in there who could be a little bit dangerous. But anyway, I know Vicky's going to get me, and I hope she does because I got her later on. So. Go ahead, CC. All right, let's get to the pick five, and we'll, that starts in race eight, which is a claimer. Six furlongs on the dirt. Phillies and mares three and up, which have never won three races, or for three-year-old Phillies, regardless of how many races they've won. And it's a field of ten. I think this race is fairly tough. We're looking at the favorite is number two, Honey Run, at five to two for Chris Hartman and Mitchell Merle. Bet, bet Mitch and get rich. Uh, let's go to Mr. Nesker. Will, who do you like in race number eight? All right. Well, yeah, first of all, um, it, you, in describing the condition, you, um, made a very important point, which is four three year old fillies. And so that's the first, in these beaten claimer races, that's the first thing I look at is to see, you know, what that condition actually is mm-hmm. and to see whether or not I call it whether or not there's horses that have beat the condition. Uh, meaning that they've won more than the non-winners uh, in this particular race, non-winners of three lifetime. And you've got several in here that have. Um, Sue Ellen Michigan, the one, Honey Run, the two, um, has four lifetime wins. The two does. The three uh, beat the condition. The four uh, has beat the condition, again, with uh, four lifetime wins. Um, and then the, I believe, one more, the ten can't be touched also beat the condition so that's you know just one of the that's the first thing that i look at is to see which of the horses have beat the condition is what i call it and then um kind of go from there so i I think more often than not those horses that do beat this condition on these beaten claimers um are the the likely winners of the race uh and i did land on the two here Uh, i hate to you know eat the chalk but it does look like the two is the likely winner of the race. Um, just looking at that re- last race, there are three horses coming back into this race uh, from that last race of Honey Runs on October the 2nd at Churchill in the same same condition, uh, furlong longer, seven furlongs. Um, and Honey Run was just the best of those three. Uh, the other two, but the other two have run back since and they ran poorly. Uh, but the big reason I landed on the two was just it looks like it sets up for her more than any, any other horse. Um, this is a horse that's going to be coming off the pace a little bit. Um, so going to need a setup, going to need some pace. And it looks like this particular race will have that uh, have that set up for something coming off the pace like the two. The other horse uh, that I had in here right behind was the, actually the five um, is St. Arrow's Girl. Um, second off the layoff, um, and if she gets back to the times, the, 
that she was running, especially the first race of her life, when she broke her maiden, uh, I'm sorry, she didn't break her maiden. She ran second by a head. Um, and she ends up being, you know, she's probably going to be close to the pace, maybe, you know, even the pace. Um, she could do it at eight to one. And she's got, uh, she's got a rider, Luis Saez, who's known to be a aggressive rider. And if he's on a pace horse, probably going to be on, uh, on the front end or very close to it. So I think the two likely winner, the five is the value play. You put it that way. I, I don't have a strong opinion in here, and I didn't win fifty thousand dollars on Breeders' Cup Day like Will did. So I mean, we're we're here to hear here to hear his thoughts. Um, that said, there's one note that I wanted to make about this race with that the one horse who on Michigan who I had not liked the last two times out. But one thing I, I I did note I would note about this horse, and I don't think the pace scenario uh helps here but it is interesting that the horse was beaten by a horse called sunny Al beach last time sunny Al beach was acclaimed by matt Shear for 10 strike racing they beat sue ellen michigan that day was sunny Al beach and in the same time they went out and claimed sue ellen michigan and then bring her back so it's to say so they must have saw something they liked this horse this horse obviously has some issues and then they bumped the horse up to 50 so they win the race with sunny Al beach and then they claim uh, these are the profits to claim Sue Ellen Michigan here. And of course, Sue Ellen Michigan is named after the Seinfeld episode about if you know the story, then you know the story. So it's interesting that they, they bump the horse all the way up to 50. Uh, not saying I like the horse. I just found that interesting that they, that they did purchase the horse out of a race that they won out of. Again, I don't have a strong opinion. I'll lean on Will. The pace could fall apart, but I don't really like anything. Uh, let's talk about number eight. Strong silent real quick. What do you do with her coming off a over a year layoff out of a stakes race? This filly was all the rage last fall at Ellis or last summer at Ellis and into the fall. And then she goes to the sidelines after the Raven run. She comes back now in a claiming race. I just thought that was kind of odd. What what would you do with strong silent? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, it's Roman. So I, you, you never know. <laughs> I, I think this, looks pretty suspicious. I, I don't think that this is, I think they're looking to move this horse along. Um, I don't think this is a, uh, I think, you, you know, you, you're always trying to look for the intent uh, yes. when there's, when you see a drop like this, uh, is it, is it the intent to find you know, a soft spot to, to come back with a win, get some confidence in the horse, or are they just looking to move it along? I, I think this particular Move looks like um, they have decided to move on and unload the horse, and I think this is, you know, and this is a spot where, and I, and you know, quite frankly, I, I think that this horse will probably end up being the favorite, yeah. Um, if I had to guess, um, instead of the two, but and this presents a spot where you want to play against uh, mm-hmm. the favorite. So that that's I think it just it just kind of smells. Like uh, like they're trying to move the horse on rather than find a spot to win. Yeah, I would I would add to that. If if I saw this horse at the beginning of in, of the meet, say in September, I might pay more attention to it. But this is a, if they thought this horse was ready, they would have ran this horse earlier in the meet in my mind, right? And this is like hey, the meet's closing. Let's get so either a they're getting ready, taking it to Gulfstream, and they want to get something into it, or they're trying to cut ties wherever to create a stall somewhere. Mm-hmm. If he had, if he had raced earlier in the meet, I might give the horse more credence. But since they run him at the end of the meet, I, 
you know, off that kind of layoff, I, I would have to say pass, but who knows? Again, with Romans, you, you just, you don't really know, but I, I, I tend to agree with Will. Don't you, CC? Yeah, the, these are the kind of, the kinds of, uh, decisions that just can ruin your day, though. Like this, yeah. this Philly, she, she was legitimately thought as a stakes Philly last summer when she won, uh, she reeled off two wins and then just, you know, it goes to the sidelines and now they're getting rid of her. This makes no sense to me. But I, I, in but that on, case, I got a punt. I got a punt. But on the flip side, you know, they're, they're out on her. She won 115,000. Well, they're not almost out on her. $115,000 in earnings lifetime and they spent 80,000 on her. If they get her claimed and she wins, you know, that's $80,000 in their pockets. You know, so tough call, I think. Tough call. Let's go to race nine. It's the Mrs. Revere, grade two, $300,000. We believe that this race will be run on the turf. There Earlier in the week, there was a chance of rain for Friday, and that looks like it has dissipated. I looked uh, just now. It says 17% chance of rain on Friday. Lovely. Yeah, so that's a that's a good thing. Hopefully this thing will stay on the turf. And the Mrs. Revere is highlighted by number six, California Angel from the George Leonard Barn, two to one with Tyler Gaffleon. This filly has butted heads with some really nice runners. She last was seen in the Valley View where she closed to finish second behind Sparkle Blue. And prior to that she finished fourth in the Queen Elizabeth II Challenge Cup at Keeneland. She was beaten two links by Gina Romantica from the Chad Brown Barn. Guys, let's uh, let's let's go to Allen first since Will went first last time. Uh, selections for the Mrs. Revere. Well, something Will may not know. My first name is uh, Will too. My name, first name is William. Did you know that, Will? I did know that. Okay, see, so there's two Wills here. Because uh, your, your first your, your Twitter handle is Derby Will, right? Do you know why it's Derby Will? Because when I first came on. Twitter a long time ago, and I didn't know what the hell Twitter was, which I think a lot of us would probably make, wish we never known what Twitter was. Uh, it was Derby Al, and I screwed it up, so I had to change it to Derby Will. So that's how that came about. <laughs> but uh, so now people get confused. But once again, I digress. This race, it's on the turf. It's not the toughest grade two field. I think you have a lot of uh, three-year-old fillies in here. There's a little bit of class, a lot of horses just seeing what they got. Maybe they can get a check. Mm-hmm. California Angel deserves to be the favorite. I've got to go against her here, though, even though she's the class, because the pace of the race, where's the speed? Uh, is she going to get enough to run at? She doesn't win often enough as it is. She gets Tyler Gaffleon. Easily can win this race, it's, and I think it's going to be about 7-5. to five. Uh, I initially like Bubble Rock a little bit, but I see she's he's 5-2 to two in the morning line, and I don't want any part of that horse at 5-2. to two. At 6-1, to one, my interest peaks, but at 5-2, at to two, it's already a question with the distance and stuff, and going a mile and 16th today. So I'm going to mention three long shots, and this is the way I would play the race. The first one would be the one take a stand for the aforementioned Vicky Oliver. This horse is uh, 20 to 1 sounds a little crazy to me. I know Fernando Dela Cruz will scare some people away, but Dela Cruz does ride for Vicky Oliver. The horse has never been on the turf, but the races stack up to some of the more of the average horses in the race. Uh, she won it a really nice race at Ellis. So they had a big second to the horse come up from Florida at, uh, in the Audubon Oaks. Um, she's been right there with Scratch Cat close, who's a, who would be one of the favorites in this race. She's by Candy, she's out of a mare by named Candy Crush, who was a pretty good turf horse for Vicky Oliver around here, won a lot of racing on turf. At 20 to 1, my interest has peaked. I'll use that one. 
Uh, I would also consider a horse I've liked for a while, Sweet Lady Ivanka, who finally got on turf. That I knew this horse had run. This horse is a closer. This horse has talent. Got on the turf last time, beat a kind of a soft field, but it did it on the first trip. Was tried with blinkers. Why not at 15 to 1? And as I mentioned a moment ago, there's not a lot of pace in the race. So why not take a look at uh, Gustavo Delgado and have a good day? A horse that was uh, graded stakes placed in Europe last year has been kind of iffy in three stakes sprints here since he got here or she got here. But she has shown speed, ran evenly in them. Maybe they send her today, gets a leap from Bubble Rock. And why not at 15 to 1? So give me those three long shots and I'll just swing and take a shot. Take a stand, uh, sweet lady Ivanka, and have a good day. Take it away, Will, as my horses will run 7th, 9th, and 11th. Yeah, I agree with you on Bubble Rock. I, I don't like the, the morning line there, 5-2 to two on Bubble Rock. I think that's probably shorter than that horse goes off of, but maybe not. I, I um, agree. I thought it was going to be 9-2 to two when I first saw it. Right. Uh, but, you, you know, with, with you got the Brad Cox, Joel Rosario yes. connections there, then that's, that's prob- that is going to draw some money, of course, too. So, and I, and, you know, I, it looked to me like uh, that horse could be lone speed. And, and even in the last, it's, uh, his last race, or I'm sorry, her last race, um, she was pretty much, you know, running loose on the lead and still couldn't hold on. Right. Um, now, I, I, but I agree with you, um, with the nine horse going sprint to route is probably going to ensure a lively pace with right. Bubble Rock. So when looking at those two together and that the Bubble Rock and have a good day going sprint to route, um, that usually, that usually ends up being early speed. And that looks like now we're going to have two horses that are going to be looking for the lead. Is going to set up uh, potentially a pretty lively pace. So yes, it, with that being the case, then yeah, I'm looking for something coming off the pace as well. I mean, obviously California Angel um, is the logical choice. Too short though, in my opinion. Plus, I like a horse actually a little bit better um, than her. Uh, but before I get to that one, I want to supplement what you said about take a stand. I agree with you, um, and just to like I said, supplement that. We'll take charge. 15% uh, turf routers um, over his career. Uh, not a bad number. Very solid number. Um, you mentioned the, the pedigree on the bottom side. Candy Crush um, was a solid turf router um, in her own right. And um, one of the, there's one other sibling. Um, there's one other, there is a sibling to uh, take a stand. It's a horse named Frosted Over. Yes. Crosses over um, is a grade three, uh, multiple grade three uh, stakes winner and uh, state and multiple stakes placed in running uh, almost exclusively in um, at Woodbine on the poly track, hmm. which usually translates pretty well to turf. So um, with all that, I agree with you. I think there's uh, something to like there to, and uh, and, and something to look at that's going to translate to potentially this horse taking to the turf. So, and at that price, I, I agree with you, Alan, um, that that is that is a usable horse, especially in a multi multi race wager. Now, the horse that I did land on though is the eight Fancy Martini. Oh yeah, swing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, 
this horse is exiting a key race. Uh, the um, the fifth place, I'm sorry, yeah, the fifth place horse came back and won a stakes race at Del Mar next time out on the turf. Um, the sixth place horse came back and won an optional claimer at Turf Hill, at uh, Turf Hill, at, uh, Tur- at uh, Churchill. Um, and so, and then looking just at the raw, you know, times and um, and the, the way the race was run, I think that Fancy Martini, hit, um, her race in that allowance race at Keeneland was actually a faster race than California Angels in the Valley View. Hmm. So, um, that's, uh, so that's where I landed on, um, and, and then you got, you know, a big upgrade and jockey to Luis Saez as well. So that's the horse I landed on, 12 to 1 morning line. I love it. I was very, very pleased to see that morning line when I took a look at the morning line. I was at, as I've told you all before, I handicapped the races without the morning line so I don't get any type of bias. So yeah, I was very pleased should. to see that. And, you know, for those of, for those that were out there that, that caught this horse at 54 to 1 last time out, uh, tip of the hat to you because I think this horse is – I don't think that was a fluke. You know, I remember that horse uh, watching Fairgrounds one day, and if Joe Christofek is listening – it was his buddy, who he's a very good handicapper, who was on there too. I believe it was Chad Shex. Uh, when this horse won the fairgrounds, broke his maiden. He was all over this horse, and was sixteen to one and one. So I've I've had that in the back of my mind about this horse. I didn't see the race at Keeneland, but I think Joe and and Chad picked the exact of that day and paid like two or three hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So I've always kept the kept that horse in the back of my mind. So I like the pick. That's a bold pick, and there's no reason if California Angel doesn't fire, this thing goes wide open. So. I like mm-hmm. the pick. Now we got to hear what CC thinks. California Angel does not necessarily have to win this race. She hasn't won since she won the Jessman last fall. The race great prior story. It's a great story. Run off the screen. There's no question about it. I mean, she'll be rolling late, but she doesn't have to win. Uh, one thing you might want to check the morning of the or Friday morning is to see if the rail is down. Uh, if they're running on the hedge, then that increases her chances of winning, I would think. Mm-hmm. If, if the rail is out, I think that would, uh, that would favor front runners or, or, or mid pack horses. Agreed. So Agreed. Keep, keep an eye on that. So two, two quick things real quick before we go move on. Number one, she's gone. Two, number two, she's gone in the race. I only mention that because that's a great song by Hall and Oates. At the end of the day, that's what really matters. <laughs> uh, money comes and goes, but the music lasts forever. And Sweet Lady Ivanka, who I mentioned earlier, Ivanka Trump came to our work not long, a couple of years ago. She looks just as good in person as she does in real life, and she's extremely tall. Did you know that? She looks like Taylor Swift tall. To hmm. anyone. And she wanted to build cars that day. I work in an auto factory, she wanted to, and they wouldn't let her because she could get <laughs> You can't let the president's daughter do that. So just a quick story. Anyway, moving on. A, uh, trivia huh? question. Who, who is Ivanka's mother? The one that just died. Uh, I get it mixed Ivana. up. It's Ivana, Ivana right? Ivana? Ivana. Yeah, okay. Ivana is Ivanka's mother, I think. I would think so. Which hey, one uh, is the Marla Maples? Is that is that one that he married? Yeah. Right? Did he marry her? Or did he just fool around with her? They could have. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Maybe. I thought, I thought it was a. They had a child yeah. together, right? I can't keep rich people. Rich people have lots of children out of wedlock. Yeah. You know that? yeah. <laughs> um, one more thing before we move on. I, for, uh, I just recalled this as because we're on a turf race. Uh, in previous years, we've done our turkey of the year. Uh, and 
we, and we didn't, and we, we didn't, we usually start off with that. We didn't, but my turkey of the year is whoever is responsible for the turf, Churchill Downs turf course. I don't, know what, I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's a group of people, but whoever's responsible for that abomination is my turkey of the year. Ouch. Uh, let's well, hope. Let's hope that they're spending some money over the year. They're really they're cultivating over the next several months. Hopefully, the people that that worked on the turf course didn't have anything to do with the fairgrounds turf course either, which I, I'm hearing is in pretty pretty bad shape as well, at least along the rail. Ouch! I hope not. I hope not. Yeah, it's it, they're going to have to deal with that for the next few weeks, unfortunately. But Mm-mm. all right, let's move right along. To race number 10, this is an A other than, allowance, seven furlongs, three and up, and a really nice full field. And I'll tell you what, there's a horse in here that I just, I'm so mad at. We'll get to him later, I'm sure. <laughs> Looks like the morning line favorite is number eight, Call Me Fast, from the Michael Pewich barn. Declan Cannon aboard. This horse rallied to finish second, beating a half length by Marsalis. And that horse is pertinent because he won an allowance race today at Churchill fairly easily. Mm-hmm. And he, and he beat, uh, the favorite in here, call me fast. So, Will, let's throw it to you first. What do we do with call me fast? And is there anything else in here that strikes your fancy? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on, on call me fast. Um, that last race, um, at Keeneland, you've already mentioned Marsalis. Came back one today. Looked good doing it. And Call Me Fast had a, had a bit of a trouble trip that day. Um, and, you know, and like you said, was able to uh, work out a, eventually work out a trip on the rail that uh, got, got him to within a half a length of Marsalis. So very logical um, contender for that, for this particular race. So other than Call Me Fast, who I, I agree with you on, I like, the number ten Milliken. Oh um, no! <laughs> is that is that the one? I'm going to make yeah. a comment about that yes. horse too. Go ahead. Um, well, you know, you got coming off, obviously coming off this layoff, first time gelding, um, who I've had success with, um, and Ian Wilkes in the past, um, and looks to get the setup. This you know, there looks to be um, plenty of speed in this race to set it up for a closer, and this horse comes from off the pace. Uh, and if this horse runs back to not its last race, but some of the races prior to that, and even earlier on in his career, um, he is uh, he is a very likely winner of the race and probably a pretty decent price too. And you know, and I I think we've even talked about actually. And well, this horse ran last year on Clark yes. Handicap Day. Yes, because we yes. talked about the damn Ivory Empress, the Blue Hen. Uh, damn Ivory Empress and all the half brothers and sisters that this horse has that, um, and I was looking actually, uh, you know, I used the formulator and I was looking at the sibs, the siblings for, uh, for this horse, you know, which is Bondurant, Four Graces, McCracken, With Dignity, Kearney County or Kearney County. There is a two year old filly that is a full sibling to McCracken, but it's unraced. Her name is Maddie May. Okay. So Gulfstream sh- probably. What's that? You think it'll be a Gulfstream maybe? Would do? Do we know? Potentially, it's a, it just shows up on the siblings report uh, for this horse, and it just shows that it's unraced. It doesn't show any type of workout times, and I didn't look, you know, to see 
on like Equibase or anything like that, whether or not there were any workout times. So, but just thought I would mention that. CC, go ahead. I know you want to dive in on that one. Well, no, we we talked about this horse last year at this yes. time. This horse raced on Black Friday, and I pronounced this horse as a as a lock of the century. <laughs> Flightline esque, you know, he was Flightline before Flightline was cool. And uh, this horse, he just laid an egg. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I gotta, look the the race prior though. Look who beat him. I, I remember this race. Yes, and I remember watching this. Like these the, the top two are special. Well, one of them was special. And that was Olympiad, who went on to eventually run second in the Breeders' Cup Classic, right? So, and Milliken looked like he was cutting that same mold, and uh, lo and behold, he was beaten by a horse uh, who actually turned out to be a future stakes winner in Injunction, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this horse has run into to some buzzsaws. He 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 was second to Reinvestment Risk. That race at Keeneland in April, on April 10th, was against two really nice horses. Dream Shake, I think, is Peter Erton. Trained by Peter Erton. And then, of course, Bag Balls came back to win at, at an allowance at Churchill. But look at that. He's, he's four to five, four to five, four to five, two to right. five on Black Friday. This is the most frustrating horse because that race he ran at Keeneland should have stamped him as a future stakes horse. And here we are starting over. So I don't know what to do with him, Alan. Okay. Teaching tool time, teaching, teaching moment. If you remember last year, I was against this horse that day because there was a horse I liked. And I don't get me wrong. I, I picked a bad one that day. His horse called LeBlanc, uh, who was like 35 was my long shot, 35, 40 to one. But the reason I was against Milliken and the problem I have was Milliken. We, this happens every time with this, with this mayor, the mayor is Ivory Empress. This, her horses for Ian Wilkes and Janice with them, they win early. All the horses that Will just mentioned, those horses win early. And when Wilkes wins early, we all go gaga over them because like Wilkes doesn't win early. So when they win, they're special and they don't go forward. The, the mares out of this horse do not move forward. I say it every time. Now I think four graces is still kind of went on a little bit. And I'm not saying that Milliken won't, but in the future, when you see an ivory empress horse that wins it, it wins at first asking, and, and because of that, they will get the little part of that out of them the next two times. They don't seem to move on. That's what all those horses that, that Will just mentioned, they're all fantastic young horses. They, they, they petered out. They hit a ceiling at three years old. I don't know why. Bondurant, all the ones he mentioned. This horse may come back and have a rejuvenated uh, four-year-old campaign, five-year-old campaign, but that's been my problem with Ivory Empress. Now, that said, I haven't taken advantage of it yet, and the horse may turn around with this time off. They may be taking him down the Gulfstream to win some stakes there. But in the future, when Ivory Empress has one of those horses that everybody goes gaga over, I would say keep that in mind. Uh, the horse I'm going to settle on in this race is, is a horse, Kapuna, off a layoff as well, too. And the reason is is because Brett Calhoun has done an amazing job bringing these fairground stars back this year. Run Classic is an example. Tejano Twist is another example, just won the Mahoning Valley big race this week. Kapuna's a horse I kind of liked a little bit last year, kind of went off the rails in the Louisiana Derby. But that seven-furlong uh, seven race she had here in the fall of last year was really good, followed that up with another one. If Brett brings this horse back the way he brings the other two, he's brought the other two back, and obviously trying to get ready for the fairgrounds, I'm willing to take a shot at 10-1. to 1. So give me Kapuna. And I, I will tip my captain, Milliken. I think he has a big chance. And there's a couple other ones, dude. I just don't want to talk, take too much time. But uh, I'll, I'll go with Kapuna. 
fair odds for Milliken. Four to one. Right. Four oh. to one. What do you think, Will? Um, nine to two. I'd, I would, yeah, nine to two. Now, Gulfstream Way is a really good horse in here too. There's a couple other ones too we didn't mention, but yeah. you know, there's so many. I will say it's call me fast is four to five for Scott Shapiro to pick it. I will call that one. He likes that horse, as he should. I'm looking at the Equinox page for Maddie May, and there's no workouts yet, so probably Churchill. Probably we're gonna look, yeah, maybe next summer, if if at all. So remember what I just said when she wins her first start and she comes out in her next start at three to five. Remember that, okay? <laughs> all right. Lost my train of thought. Forgot what we were doing. I was talking about pedigrees for a minute. So we're back to we're back to racing, and race number eleven, of course, is the feature race for every Black Friday card. It's the Clark Stakes, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, nine furlongs on the dirt. This is a Grade One, and mm-hmm. I think the field has suffered a little bit being so close to the Breeders' Cup Classic. And when they used to run the the Classic in late October, this race would usually get fill up a little bit better. But now we're getting Seven horses in this field, and only one of them raced in the Breeders' Cup, and that was Rich Strike, and he's number four, and he is the two-to-one favorite, the Kentucky Derby winner. And I don't, I did not look this up, but I do believe that he is bidding to become the first Kentucky Derby winner since maybe 1901 to win the Clark in the same year, the same calendar year. Uh, I think the horse's name was His Eminency. I'm going to look that up while you all talk. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is uh, one of my favorite horses in training. I think uh, this uh, this guy is tough as nails, and I hope he wins. But uh, we'll talk about his chances. Uh, we'll lead it off with Alan. You you start us on okay. the your thoughts on the Clark State. Well, I'm like you. I hope I hope Rich Strike wins. I do because it'll piss people off, and that's at the end of the day. Like I was talking with the she's gone earlier. Money comes and goes. You know, if, if people who are have an issue with this horse, if it makes them mad, then that 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 beats winning. Um, that said, we've got two guys on the the podcast named Will, right? So I, as much as I love Rich Strike, I got to go with West Willpower here. Uh, there's about four in here that I think can win because. Uh, he, Injunction got him at Ellis Park. We were there that day, and we are going to talk about Injunction in a moment. But uh, and I do like Injunction a little bit. But he's Westfield Pyre. It, it just looked like he was prepping at Ellis that day, and he was set for a big uh, five-year-old campaign. And so far, that's panned out with an extremely easy win in the Fayette. Although he absolutely walked on the front end. Uh, that's I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, thinking that he can, he can track right off the pace, and that he's still in good form. That the effort didn't take too much out of him. It is a concern, though, that Joel Rosario is not on this horse after such an easy win. He's going to Proxy, who can win the race as well, too. I'm going to give Wes Willpower a slight nod. I'm hoping that Rich Strike wins. I'd love to see him win. Uh, I'm going to save the injunction talk for UCC, and I'll let Will take over. Yeah, it'd be a really cool story if he won the Clark in the same year as the Derby, as and you know, the first time for a three-year-old since 19, 1901, but it's not going to happen. All right, there we go. Conviction. Uh, and I like Rich Strike too, and I think he's proved himself um, as a uh, you know as a serious racehorse. Um, and 
you know, and I look forward to him coming back next year and racing and, and hopefully even getting better. He might. But in this particular race, but, you know, uh, you know me, I, I can't take the chalk, and he may beat me. And if he does, I'll tip my cat, and, you know, I'll be okay with that. But I'm not going to take that short of a price on Rich Strike. Um, just not going right. to do it. I understand that a wholeheartedly. So let's just talk, you know, we're talking about it from a wagering uh, perspective, and I'm not going to, I'm not taking that on, on him. I do think that the race sets up for him. I think it sets up for a closer. I think there's plenty of speed in here. Um, I think West Willpower goes to the front, or at least tries to, um, especially with Saez, um, like you, uh, like you're probably envisioning Allen. But I think he's going to have company. And so I think it is going to set it up for a closer. And the one that I like to win is Proxy, the one horse. Don't blame me a bit. Um, just, you know, going coming off the layoff, of course, but is working lights out. Uh, just looking at the work tab, you know, I don't have any insight into any clockers that have been watching or anything like that. But just looking at his work, work tab, he looks like he's coming into this race, um, you know, very well. And um, he um, is going to have that rail draw. He's got Rosario. I can just envision, you know, him kind of staying glued to the rail, letting all that speed up from the outside of, of him go to go to the lead, and then just getting that trip and uh, and, and kicking kicking in late um, for a stretch run. So that's who I'm going with. Um, not that I hate Rich Strike or not that I don't think he can win, but I'm not going to take take him at two to one. I am this close to taking Proxy, and I've always been a Proxy basher. But uh, not five straight races, a mile and eighth, and he's run against big race against Olympiad, dynamic one who was prime that day, scalding. Uh, and this, uh, you said this horse looks like he's working lights. And Joel Rosario picked him. I almost feel like picking a one one a pick with those two horses. But mm-hmm. uh, I wholeheartedly understand the proxy pick. So now we'll let CC uh, jump. I know he's going to jump in with. Go ahead, brother. Well, you and I were at Ellis Park when Injunction won the Cowboy Jones Stakes, and that was as miraculous as an effort as we've ever seen. He broke from the rail, I believe, and he was pressured throughout. I think uh, Last Samurai pressured him, of all horses. And, you know, that was uh, – he should have wilted, and Wes Willpower should have ran by him, but he kept going. And, I, you know, I, I think he's proven he's 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 a top horse. He's a tough as that horse is dead game. That horse tries his ass off every yeah. time. And supposedly, uh, this horse is really working well, according to his trainer. He said he's working better than ever. So I think if I'm splitting this horse into A's and B's and C's, uh, injection is an A for me. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's not forget, and I can't remember the name of the horse. I think it was Militarist ran fourth in this race last year behind Maxfield, right? Yeah, right, yeah. At like four thousand to one, and that was trained. That horse was trained by Vacareza. Vacareza right. trains Injunction. We know he's he he'll be tough as nails. I think for me it's Injunction and West Wheel Power. And like I said, if Rich Strike wins, I will absolutely love it because I, I I think Rich Strike is one of the most important horses that that has been on a racetrack in the last ten years, and only yes. for the fact that he's proven that. Alan Schneider could win a Kentucky Derby yeah. if he's in the right <laughs> spot. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You could have claimed. I mean, brilliant yeah. racing could have claimed him for thirty thousand dollars last summer. True. And had a Kentucky Derby winner. That's what I'm saying. I mean, just anybody, still to this day, anybody that has the money and the resources could buy a Kentucky Derby winner. So to me, 
yeah, Rich Strike is, uh, like I said, he's, he's in, an important horse. But coming three weeks off a, 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 a tough classic rally where he finished fourth behind Taba and Olympia and, of course, Flightline, I think, I don't, I don't think he's done that this year, uh, back, dating back to his, uh, uh, turfway efforts. I think, uh, maybe that, that race takes something out of him. I think maybe that race at Churchill where he ran Hot Rod Charlie to a neck or to a nose, I think that might, may have taken something out of him. Possibly. So at, at nine to five, two to one, I think he's a play against here. I think it'd be seven to five at post. And we, we'd be remiss not to mention, Cece, something you and I have noticed with Injunction. He takes incredible late money. He takes incredible money, this horse. Uh, we were at Ellis that day, and he and I, Cece and I both noticed Injunction was by far and away the fourth choice in that race. And all the will pays favored him by a large margin over some really good horses. And he, he validated that. He was six to one going the gate. He went off two to one. And you see the way he, he, he won. It was incredible the way he won. The same thing happened again at Keeneland the next time because I bet him at Keeneland that day because he's like 27 to 1. He goes in the gate, he's 27 to 1. He goes off at 13 to 1 and dug in and, and ran a big second there. And so what I would advise people to do is watch the will pays on this horse. Watch the late money with injunction. If he's live, they'll tell you with this horse. And sometimes that stuff's overrated. Sometimes I let these steam, I, I, I love letting steam horses beat me, but with this horse, that's one horse that I would quote unquote follow the money on. No doubt about it. One more to go. Race 12. Maiden special weight. Phillies and mares. Seven and a half furlongs. One of the rarely used distances that Churchill employs. And eight to five on number seven, Shady Road, a daughter of Curlin from the Rusty Arnold Barn for Glen Hill Farm. Making her fifth start. Martin Garcia is going to ride this filly once again. And, uh, Will, we'll let you fill, uh, finish this off. Who do you like? And, uh, yeah, who do you, who do you like? Now, I know you gave a, gave out, I think it was Atlanta, right? That was the Philly yeah. last year. Yeah. Is, is any Atlanta type uh, runners in here? Well, you know, Atlanta was a first time starter, um, in that race and it was a Wayne Mackey, uh, mm-hmm. was the trainer, trained horse. And, uh, so, you know, and I, I think I mentioned that uh, I've always, you know, kind of looked for a Wayne Mackey horse. And it seems like in the fall meet, he always, you know, enters one uh, and they're always going to be fairly uh, good prices. And then he'll jump up and win one when you're not when you're least expecting it. Um, Of course, we don't have we don't have a Wayne Mackey in this race, but we do have a first time starter uh, that I think um, at 12 to one morning line. And we're going to go back to Ian Wilkes again on the number three, Sweet Carolina. Um, just looking at the pedigree, uh, alone, curling gets 12, 12% first time starters, 14% on three year old first time starters. Um, the dam is a turf router. Sweet tapper, uh, is a turf router. This is her first fold to race, but the dam was a stakes winner, um, a minor stakes and ran third and then was, uh, Ran third in the Miss, Mrs. Revere um, back in 2016. So there's some pedigree there on the bottom side, but it does look like it's mainly going to be, you know, um, a turf pedigree. Uh, so maybe look for this one, you know, um, 
next time out when it runs on the turf, maybe down at Gulfstream. But at 12 to 1, you know, maybe worth a shot. First time Lasix, uh, first time starter for Ian Wilkes. He's usually not great first time starters, but this isn't a great field. And so no. it's kind of hard. So it's really no. tough to come up with, with something like that. But that's the, if I was going to give one out, that would be it. Now, as far as who I actually landed on here, um, I mean, the, the seven is the, is captain obvious, of course. Um, and mainly because, like we like we just talked about, we just agreed up upon. This is not a, a great field at all. But um, in terms of the value play, I think it's the two star table. Um, yeah. Just looking, you know, obviously coming off of a long layoff, but back in the late winter there um, was keeping very good company. Um, in that last race, I'm going to maybe mispronounce it, but the horse that won that race, Begine, uh, came back the following race after that. May that March 5th race and ran second by a neck in the grade three fantasy, the mm-hmm. Kentucky Derby prep, uh, to, uh, your girl, um, who ran in the Kentucky Oaks. Um, the third, the show horse in that race, third horse, third place horse in that race, the aforementioned bubble rock. Um, yeah. so, and I, I, I went back and I watched the replay and there were, and, the, and there were, uh, the, the, um, in, in addition to that, the um, seventh place horse, I'm sorry, the sixth place horse won the next time out, and the last place horse won the next time out. Now, that's been a, a while back, and you know normally we would call this a key race, but it's probably too too long ago to call it a key race. Um, but in any event, I went back and watched the replay, and I just liked the way that horse ran, liked the way it moved, um, and that was good company. So if this horse comes back, um, it in any type of condition um, that it was when it left us back in March, um, she should be very competitive and he can even win this race. And, you know, if she holds it six to, at the morning line of six to one, she's the value play. Yeah. I, I think she's going to take some money just because there's not much else in the race to take right. money. I think she'll probably come down. Uh, I think the favorite is going to be tough in here by default. I don't love the favorite. But it's rusty. The seven half furlong trip would probably suit this one, I think. You know, it's a boring pick, but there's not a lot in here. But she just ran the big race with a 45 and three split at a mile. And so I think the, the, the distance probably hits this one between the eyes, but it's kind of a dull pick. But it, to piggyback yeah. on your point about star table, you know, I always, I always, there's a certain type of horse I want to see in an elongated sprint. Can this horse prove that he can? The horse can run at an elongated sprint. It usually means that they have a, they have one long sustained run, or they or they have speed. They have that speed factor. This horse kind of proved it last year that it probably could, though that was in a restricted maiden the medley. I think it's Steve Asmussen horse. And then, like you mentioned, the second to be gone, there's a good fourth place horse to finish Ice Orchid going two turns. So I think you have to use that horse if you're if you're looking for an alternative to the favorite. Those two are. Would be really tough. I am with you though. I think the two first timers in here, if you're trying to lock the race up, so to speak, I would might consider the two first timers. The one you mentioned, Cure Sweet Carolina, uh, for Ian Wilkes. I mean, he doesn't win much first time out, but it's not going to take a lot to win this race, especially if the, if the top two aren't ready. Um, so I might consider that when it's a curling, as you mentioned. Interesting thing that's Chris Landeros rides for Ian Wilkes. Brian Hernandez rides the other first timer. Who usually rides for Ian Wilkes for Al Stahl, the uh by Will Take Charge. So 
you know, by default, I might consider taking those two first timers more so than I would an ordinary race going seven and a half furlongs because there's a, it's a nine horse race and there's probably three tosses. So not a, not a great way to start the car, end the card, but at the same time, some of the races before are so challenging. You might want an easy one by the time this one gets here if you still have money in your pockets. CC? Royal Take Charge is a half sister to Take Charge Row. Who I believe is yes, that's she, right. She won stakes, but she won about two hundred thousand on the turf for Brian Lynch, I think. On the right? turf for for Lynch, yeah. So this one this is a great stat. I mean, it's not a, well, it's not a very big sample size, but uh, Brian Hernandez Jr. and Al Stahl together, three out of four in the last calendar year, seven dollar and seventeen cent ROI. Yeah, and Hernandez is, I mean, you know, you never know when, when Wilkes is going to use Landeros or Hernandez, but Hernandez is opting, you know, is he opting for this one or is Landeros just get the other one? I don't yeah. know. Hard to say. But, uh, Hard but to you say. know, they're, they're, both the first-timers merit respect in that spot. Wouldn't you guys say? Yes. Uh, yes, I agree. And, you know, Landeros is Wilkes' son-in-law, so, you know, maybe maybe his daughter needs some money. That's right. I know my father-in-law's daughter needs some money. It's, it's Christmas, <laughs> you know, Christmas gifts. Yeah, sorry, it gets expensive. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, strongest opinion? Because we're going to need a strong opinion in this sequence, I think. Cause oh, Christ. <sighs> Is I don't know count. Uh, listen to Chris Effect and Shapiro or Will. But uh, go ahead, Will. Give me something. Um, I'm going to I'm going to stick with uh, with my pick in the Mrs. Revere, uh, Fancy Martini. I love it. You know, I guess strongest opinion, um, strongest opinion that is the fairest value, I guess, is probably the best way I would put it. Yeah. I love Yeah. So you're a fancy martini for you. Are you going to be olive over that? Um, hmm, let's see. I kind of got a feeling about Kapuna a little bit. It just, and again, it comes back to price, right? Ten to one morning line. I just like the way Calhoun's bringing these horses back. Um, I, I, an opinion would be Proxy runs very well, whether he wins or not. I don't know if he's going to win or not. Proxy's going to run very well, even though I didn't necessarily pick him on top. Proxy's most likely to hit the board. Uh, I would take prices. I would look for value in the Mrs. Revere. Uh, nothing against California Angel. Great story. I would look for prices in that. And don't go too, don't go too spread crazy in that. You know, find a few that you like. And I, and I kind of like Kapuna at 10 to 1. Is that an opinion? Is that a strong opinion? I don't know. I'll, I'll add to mine too. Maybe my strongest opinion is playing against the eight in race eight, that class dropper, the Roman yeah. class dropper from the Raven Run. That's probably my strongest opinion is playing against that horse. And if you don't like that horse, don't use it, right? If you don't exactly. like it, I mean, just don't use it. I mean, it's there's other opportunities and stuff down the road. Just if you feel if you feel now if you're a little ham hawing or whatever and you feel and you want to fine, but if you if you say you don't like it, man, that's not the kind you want to use, right? So Agreed. You, especially because he because he will take a ton of money by default. Agreed. So if, if he wins, it's not like you're going to get seven to two on the horse. You're going to get six to five probably because people won't know who else to bet, so they will default to that horse. And so and as as we all know. Beating a favorite in the first leg first of a multi race wager is is set you up for gold. Uh, it's gold. Yeah. Yes, uh, you are launched, as Ed Rosa used to say. You are launched. We need CC's opinion, strong opinion. Well, I'm getting ready to launch this podcast into the <laughs> ether world. 
Mm. I know I'm going to get sucked into Milliken. I know I am. But at the the better price, though, you're going to get a better price this time. I'm a jilted lover. I am such a jilted lover with this horse. You know what? Ouchy horses, though. Got a feeling this horse is ouchy. Ouchy horses will fire their best shot immediately off the layoff. But as we were saying earlier, but he was two to five, four to five every time. If you're getting nine to two on him this time, I don't blame you for trying. Yeah, yeah I don't blame you a bit. And there is absolutely no horse in this race that could run with Olympiad. No, no, mm-hmm. yeah, no, not at all. That's Except why I, little, I never thought I would pick. I thought Proxy's a horse I would never pick on top, but I am tempted. I like. It's a shame I like four horses in a Clark. That's a really wussy opinion, but I I, I like Injunction. I like Willis. West Willpower, I like Proxy, I like Rich Strike, but man, Proxy is pushing West Willpower for the top spot, and you don't know what the deal. I would say, watch the board on Injunction. Yep. All right, this was fun. Will, you're you're just you're so good at this. You're so good at this, and uh, your bankroll and Breeders' Cup Day proves it. Well, thanks, guys. I I always enjoy coming on. It's a lot of fun. Well, we appreciate it and stuff. We appreciate doing this. We appreciate having guys like you on. Guys like you need to be a little more. Uh, uh, out there in the open and stuff. We need to have more guys like you on these uh, podcasts, these shows, and everywhere else. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, and I'm happy to do it. I think that it's 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 only good for the sport when you know, you know people who ring the bell, so to speak, uh, come out and tell others and walk you walk others through how it's done and show others that this is something that can happen uh, if can. you're willing to put the work in. Um, you can do this too. That is true. I, I like the way you said that. Are we going to do a CC? Are we going to do it? We probably won't do it, right? We're going to maybe enough money made for some beers and some nachos. We'd be happy. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just be happy with some chicken tenders. Oh, they are good there. Yeah. Best chicken uh, tenders in, in South Lowell. That is true. They are good. All right. This is a good ending spot. I think, uh, we want to thank our guest, of course, Will Nesker and, uh, for enlightening us with some uh, horse racing handicapping acumen. And so on behalf of Will and Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, who I think may be under his couch hiding from Trailer Park Trash right now. <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll find more about that this weekend. But uh, on behalf of those wonderful gentlemen, I'm CC Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.